Blog Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success, and practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. Hello, and this is Ted Hart uh, coming to you live here on The Nonprofit Coach radio show, uh, coming to you live from the nation's capital. Today is Tuesday, February 21st, and as always, we start off the show with Page One News. <laughs> Now, for those of you who are familiar with the show, you already know the rules, but for those of you who may be new today, this is a live call-in show, and we do urge you to call in during the Page 2 Expert uh, portion of the show, which will be right after Page 1 News. Uh, you can also join us over in the chat room, and I do see a number of people over in the chat room uh, right now. You can ask questions there, or you can email me your questions at tedhart at tedhart.com. Now, the page one news links that I share with you here and all of the archives of uh, that have, have been offered here on the Nonprofit Coach are available at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links and we will take you right there. First up in the news today uh, is sort of a new player on the block, certainly getting a lot of attention right now, and we want to draw your attention to Pinterest. Uh, they, now, they've been around for almost two years now, but they are really starting to uh, take off and get a lot of interest uh, in the marketing sphere. Um, and uh, they have uh, just announced on Tuesday of last week that they reached 11.7 million monthly active users. Uh, whether they are indeed the fastest independent site to reach 10 million monthly unique uh, users in the U.S. Uh, is uh, questionable, but they are uh, they have been around in beta since March of 2010. Uh, but the fact is, is that they are firmly on the radar uh, for people in the content business uh, and in the retail business and all businesses that target uh, consumers. And of course, uh, our consumers here are our donors. Um, so these are uh, 10 reasons why uh, these are important for you. And, and I do think that while uh, Pinterest is new, and I don't think it takes the place of any of the other strategies 
that we're going to be talking about today uh, on our page two uh, with our page two experts. Uh, I will be asking them about where something new like this fits in. Uh, this is considered easy to use. Uh, it appeals to people for a very different reason because the content is the navigation. This is not about who's linked to you, but what you like. Um, and it doesn't seem too commercial uh, as of yet. So uh, lots to uh, like about Pinterest. Where does it fit within an overall strategy uh, is something we will talk more about here on the show. Uh, and the full link from the Forbes.com website is available at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Now, uh, yesterday uh, was President's Day here in uh, the United States. Uh, and uh, in honor of that, we invite all of our listeners today to go and take the poll that you'll find right at tedhart.com, which president has done the most for philanthropy. Uh, now, several, several are listed there in random order, not in any sort of rank order. Uh, but if you don't see your favorite president that you think has been uh, very beneficial to philanthropy in the United States, then you can also go ahead and enter the name of your favorite president that you think has done the most to support philanthropy in the United States, please go ahead and vote uh, on the uh, uh, on that poll. Right now, uh, we are seeing that uh, Franklin Roosevelt has the most uh, votes, uh, followed closely uh, by a tie for second place uh, with uh, Bill Clinton and Jimmy Carter uh, coming up uh, uh, in uh, in the uh, the rear there, uh, if you will, for uh, for second place. Um, and uh, so, and don't forget, you can add your own uh, president if uh, if you would like that as well. Next up here on the radio links for page one uh, is a bit of a shout out uh, to the New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman uh, for the work that he is doing. Uh, now he uh, labels this a bold plan on his own, but it it is nonetheless a sweeping plan for revitalizing and reforming. New York's nonprofit sector. Now, this comes from uh, the Attorney General, so you can expect that this plan is going to be looking uh, a lot at uh, enforcement uh, and uh, oversight for the nonprofit sector. Uh, but a couple of things that I'm particularly uh, pleased to see uh, in this plan, and we'll see how, how it uh, all plays out here, but uh, they have announced, uh, in, in, along with the report that you can download, uh, from the link at tedhart.com, click on radio links. Uh, they have announced uh, that they are going to have a new initiative called Directors U or Directors University to provide training to nonprofit directors. Uh, they expect to offer this free or at minimal cost and make it easily accessible. Uh, directors U will also create an online library of seminars and materials covering a wide range of nonprofit sub subjects, uh, which will be supplemental to a series of live in-person training. So I, I think anything that we can do to improve and increase uh, the likelihood of boards of directors knowing their roles, providing proper oversight uh, to the work of nonprofit organizations only strengthens uh, the sector, and uh, certainly uh, we, uh, we applaud the Attorney General in New York uh, for taking the large nonprofit sector seriously uh, and pledging to cut red tape and reduce costs uh, for nonprofits to do business uh, in, uh, in New York. And certainly we urge uh, all attorney generals across the United States to uh, look at a similar approach for providing training uh, to reduce red tape and to reduce costs 
for nonprofit organizations. Now, over in the radio links today, you will find also uh, a link to a YouTube uh, a piece that comes to us from John Hayden. And John Hayden often has uh, very thoughtful, small little uh, video clips that, uh, that you can see uh, over at YouTube. Now, this one is interestingly named Five Must Have Apps. Uh, for your nonprofit Facebook page, I'm going to have you uh, take a listen because it's sort of only kind of sort of what he's talking about, but he certainly gets your attention uh, with that headline. What are the top five must-have apps for a nonprofit Facebook page? I wish I had this answer, but no one has this answer. The first app, Clear Goals. Have clear goals about what you want on Facebook. The second one, Good People Managing the Page. Number three, Remarkable content. You have to have stuff on your page, videos, photos, and updates that people want to like, comment on, and share. Number four, patience. You can't build this thing overnight. Number five, the fifth app, consistency. If you post on Facebook once and then go to sleep for like a week, that says a lot about your organization. So, bye. Why are you in there? So interesting and thoughtful um, approach to uh, Facebook uh, pages. Um, doesn't really talk about apps as uh, as advertised uh, from the piece. Uh, but John Hayden is always uh, very good and very thoughtful, and I thought that that uh, a little audio clip would be apropos to uh, leading up to our page to experts uh, today uh, here on the show. Um, so over in the radio links again, uh, you will not only find uh, today's radio links, uh, but you will also find the archives of all of our links uh, for all of the uh, Nonprofit Coach uh, with Ted Hart radio shows. And uh, with that, uh, we are now ready uh, to head right on over to page two. I'm very excited to welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach two terrific authors uh, who have put together a new book, 101 Social Media Tactics for Nonprofits. Melanie Mathos has been working and volunteering with nonprofits for most of her life. She now works as a senior public relations manager at BlackBaud. She co-manages BlackBaud's social media channels and contributes to the NetWits Think Tank blog. And Chad Norman is also here with us, uh, is the co-author of 101 Social Media Tactics for Nonprofits. He is an Internet strategist and interactive designer who has worked with nonprofits his entire career. He works as the Internet Marketing Manager at BlackBaud, where he wrangles corporate website content, uh, develops social media strategy, and manages email marketing and search marketing. He's also the editor-in-chief of BlackBaud Blogs, and also, along with Melanie Mathos, contributes to the NetWitsThinkTank.com uh, blog. So welcome here to the nonprofit coach, Melanie and Chad. Thanks so much. We're excited to join you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, it's a terrific uh, book that you put together uh, here, and I, I really want to start off before we get into all the content, which I sort of want to break down the approach that you took uh, with this book uh, by asking each of you to just sort of give a bit of an introduction as to why this book and why now. Well, obviously social media is at the forefront of our minds all the time because we're in it all day. Um, we've been working with nonprofits 
here at Blackbot. I've been here about six years, and Chad's been here, what, 10 or so? 15. 15. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're always seeing all the great things that our customers are doing. It's very inspiring um, to see how they're using it in the nonprofit space. Um, so what we've been presenting on this subject uh, at our conferences for a couple of years, and we decided to take all this content that we had and pull it into a, a guide format so it could be um, a little more instructional on actually how to do it, not just here are some cool examples. Uh, it really combines the best of both. Yeah, we also found yeah, I, I really found that to be true uh, in in the book. And then Chad, I I, I want you to talk about um, the genesis of this book as well. But but this is very very hands on. This is very much uh, step by step how to, which I think is extremely helpful to nonprofit executives who may not have uh, a lot of knowledge in this space. Um, so chat a little bit more about the genesis of this book. Well, yeah, well, what Melody said about uh, trying to get ideas out there, we, we hear a lot from people that they understand the importance of the channel, of the social channel, and they may even have a social strategy, but a lot of people are thrown into the role of having to actually do it, um, knowing that they need to. So the idea was that to give them these ideas, to give them the how-to tips to actually get a program um, implemented and get these tactics like out into the ether. Um, so that was the idea, was to really just make it so people could um, recognize that they have a strategy and a need for this, but then actually get it done. And, and going step by by step, um, I, it, it seems that uh, in your um, in your approach here that it's it, 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 at least it starts off very Facebook uh, centered. Is, is that correct? Well, a lot of the the tips in around properly branding your page and uh, really focusing in on you know just the basics. And for a lot of nonprofits, that starts on Facebook. Uh, just because it is such an accessible platform, everyone knows that their supporters are engaging there. Um, so a lot of the tips are focused around that, but we try to really provide a diversity in the platforms because you don't want to invest all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> Right, and and you you've sort of set the book up in in various stages. That starts off with uh, set up. Uh, and then you go on and talk about communicate, engage, uh, and fundraise, and certainly um, in in that order, followed by measure. So why don't we why don't we sort of take those take those apart and start with uh, setup and walk us through um, again. You sort of start off with uh, with Facebook, but walk us through your your best advice uh, for nonprofits and setting up. Uh, and is this just getting online, or is this setting up a strategy? Yeah, it's all about getting uh, your, your channel sort of set up and configured properly and kind of getting everything up and rolling on uh, in social media. So like you said, a first, uh, the first few uh, tactics actually involve proper branding and making sure you get things set up right. Like uh, we're seeing a lot of people's first impressions of your organization is, are now on social media. So you need to make sure that your brand is well represented both visually and um, through words and things. So we talk a lot about... Um, you know, branding your YouTube channel, claiming your venue on Foursquare, um, and making sure that things are branded. Like, make sure you, you apply to the programs to get a not your banner put at the top of your YouTube page or the top of your Foursquare page. Make sure you're taking advantage of all the options in Facebook to properly brand your channel, like full use of your profile image, uh, making sure your avatar represents your brand with colors and logo and things like that. So, again, it's about getting your, your best foot forward um, as you're setting up this channel. Well, I found that part of uh, of the the uh, the book to 
to be particularly um, interesting and helpful because it does break down and sort of break through some of the 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 clutter that's out there on what's what's important and how do you get things set up. You actually walk people through um, this is how you brand this is and some of the things not to miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially yeah. things like um, not even branding related, but even things like putting out the rules on your Facebook community um, so that people know if they're going to leave spam or a negative comment, like what's going to happen to that. And even simple things like claiming your username on Facebook. This is often overlooked, and if someone else has your, um, your URL, like facebook.com slash your organization, once somebody else claims that, it's gone forever. You can't get it back. So, again, these are, these are, that, those both fall into the overlooked category um, when people set up their channels. Well, and, and, and those, you say that those are sort of simple things, but I think that they are often uh, overlooked and stand in the way of uh, a, a nonprofit um, really, truly uh, starting on the path of creating a strategy, uh, because I, I think those sorts of things do start off as, as feeling more like a mystery. Yeah, what we try to do is uh, create a checklist, so it's easy for people to to kind of go through and you know if it's applicable to their organization and fits in with their strategy. Um, setup is really a lot of the the kind of easy to do. Um, no-brainer, I guess, tactics, whereas no matter what your strategy, it's a good idea to do these things. Um, these are best practices to set you on your way. Um, the other chapters are more focused on um, specific goals and outcomes. Right, and, and I want to talk about sort of moving the first the first part of the the book, the the setup part. I think is absolutely essential. I, I want to encourage all of my listeners today to purchase this book, um, and there is a link directly at tedhart.com. Click on radio links, and you'll find a link directly uh, to this book on Amazon, so that you can uh, get a, a a copy of this yourself. And I think that you know the setup part of of uh, of your book is so often overlooked in other books of this sort because it is considered so basic that most folks who um, write books of this sort um, sort of jump ahead. And, and I'm even wondering if, if I'm sort of guilty of that in, in, uh, in my book, People to People Fundraising, Social Media for Nonprofits. Um, I, I think that there, there was a, a bit uh, too quick of a jump to strategy uh, in that book, and, and you folks really fill a void uh, in walking through this setup. Now, I wanted to ask you folks, um, as we work through your book and learn more about your particular approach, um, to sort of reflect on, uh, here on The Nonprofit Coach, we often share the six pillars for online success, and, and part of that uh, does speak to social media. Um, pillar number one, for those who have uh, been listening for a while, uh, they know that uh, there's nothing uh, that is more important than a well-designed website and a strong email platform uh, for your organization. Number two um, is a strong guide star strategy. We're not talking about that here today, but there are podcasts available uh, through the nonprofit coach that really go into detail on the guide star strategy. But coming uh, closer to your topic, specifically to social media, uh, we sort of rank order um, in, in terms of importance, and, and the emphasis that we put is on sort of the fundraising aspect of social media. Um, and, and when it comes to that aspect, we rank order LinkedIn strategy 
uh, as probably the most important um, uh, social media platform right now, uh, followed probably closely and maybe even jockeying for a second here between uh, Twitter and Facebook and then uh, YouTube Google strategy after that. So when you think about um, strategy moving beyond this setup part of your, of your book, what advice would you give and where, where would you um, suggest uh, that a nonprofit that doesn't have a big staff, doesn't have, um, you know, a lot of capacity here, um, when it comes to communications, that next part of your book, um, and moving on towards fundraising, what sort of priority would you put to certain platforms? I think it really differs based on, you know, what your strategic outcomes are. Um, for instance, you had mentioned Pinterest. If your demographics are heavily uh, female between the ages of 35 and 54, or 25 and 54, for instance, you may want to look at Pinterest as one of on your short list of uh, networks. Whereas, for instance, with the nonprofit that Chad and I both volunteer with, we really needed a platform to host our photos. So Flickr was one of the most important sites for us to set up first, um, both from a functionality and then also a, a social sharing uh, perspective. I think it all depends on who you're trying to reach and what you're trying to achieve. Uh, a lot of people default to the trifecta of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, whereas maybe they have opportunities on LinkedIn that they haven't explored, for instance. And really, right, right. I feel that LinkedIn often gets uh, gets missed, and because uh, of their demographic of high net worth individuals, uh, corporate executives, and foundation executives, um, I think it, it does uh, have a, a, a closer importance. Yeah, it does, especially if you really look at like the metrics and your demographics and who who is ma making up your audience. Uh, one of the things we like to talk about is creating personas for your social media um, supporters. And if you know that you're trying to reach, you know, young people um, because you've got some sort of you know Big Brother program or something like that, or um, youth advocacy program, maybe LinkedIn isn't the best avenue for you. So again, and like Melanie said about Pinterest, about understanding if you have a heavily uh, female-oriented demographic. Um, looking at your data and then you know creating personas and then determining platform is a good place to start, a good way to get into that strategy. And taking it a step further, even looking to uh, private social networks, for instance, we featured in the book um, the Christopher and Dana Reeves Foundation's uh, paralysis community. They've created a very specific niche platform because it's very much in line with their strategy of providing services via social media. So they've built a social uh, support community where they couldn't really achieve that uh, in any of the other channels we've mentioned with a, as great of um, effect. And, and that's a platform like Ning or something of that sort where you can create your own social media platform but for a private audience? Yes, exactly. Uh, the one that they actually use is Blackbot Social, which is a, a private uh, community platform. Terrific, terrific. In, in your book, um, I was wondering if you would um, sort of talk about um, this, this uh, trifecta, if you will, but um, they do seem distinct, and I think that you're, you're pointing people in the right direction to uh, analyze your organization, know your organization, but the centerpiece of your approach is communicate, engage, and fundraise. Um, and the balance between those, and I think most folks say, well, I, I need more money. Uh, but but you can't really jump to needing money in social media, can you? No, I don't think so. I think we we look at a lot of, of the, the traditional funnel, right, or the pyramid, or however you want to talk about it, 
and sort of social media, especially communicating and engaging, is that, that, you know, the top part, sort of the, the onboarding process, right, and uh, making that first part of that relationship really zing or, you know, to really, you know, make a good first impression and to bring people on board that way. You definitely can't just start with fundraising, but uh, you need to start with, uh, you know, becoming friends with them and engaging with them and really improving your relationship with them. And when it comes time for that ask later on, I think you sort of have that, that framework to build on and you'll have something there. Yeah, I mean, studies have shown that people, especially in the advocacy arena, that have taken an action are exponentially more uh, likely to donate to your cause if they've taken another action. So if you apply those principles in the social media world, the engagement piece is critical, and it really took up the mass of the book, as you mentioned. Um, communicate, too, but social media communications is really one way, whereas engagement is bi-directional, which is really where you're going to get that meaningful um, relationship started. And, and isn't that such an important uh, thing for, for charities to understand is I find that uh, um, charities oftentimes sort of get stuck in the communicate. They think very sort of what I call Web 1.0, where, where they're posting information, they're sending out information, but they're losing track of the fact that with social media, uh, you need to be social. Yeah, I think every and again every every little interaction you have with someone is valuable, right? Even if you're just asking them what are they doing this weekend or where are you volunteering this weekend or simple things like that, right? Will will in, in, in really uh, make them entrenched in your mission and really likely to to take another action, like Melanie said in the future. Um, all those little things add up over time, and so whether that's a check-in on Fair Foursquare or um, you know, a uh, you know, interacting with a poll on Facebook. These are all things that are going to get uh, people into your camp. Talk more about uh, Foursquare and and how you see that really uh, providing value to uh, to nonprofits. Because I, 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 as I've said here on on this show before, I'm I'm very much uh, on the fence. I continue to sort of monitor and use Foursquare myself, looking for those true applications for the nonprofit sector. Um, where, where do those applications really come in for, for nonprofits, do you think? Right. Well, Foursquare does a great job of, um, of connecting people through location, as you know. So the idea is to then identify a strategy that makes sense for your organization and how you can use that. So there's a couple of great examples in the book, and uh, one of my favorite is actually a local Charleston example, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, where we're from, and uh, it's the uh, Charleston Parks Conservancy. And so their mission is to really uh, promote the use and um, maintenance of all of Charleston's wonderful parks. So what they've done through Foursquare is they've created a bunch of tips um, on Foursquare. A tip is something that pops up when you uh, check into somewhere on Foursquare. It'll give you a tip if there's one for that, for that site. So, for instance, when I come in in the morning and I check into Blackbaud here um, for work, I'll get a tip from Charleston Parks Conservancy about um, Edwin Park, which is right down the street, saying like, hey, why don't you go down, you're so close to Edwin Park, why don't you hop down and enjoy one of Charleston's finest? So this is a great way that like, as I move throughout my week throughout the city with my kids or out on a date with my wife, if I check in somewhere, I'll be notified about a really cool park experience that may be nearby. So that's a great like, local example, or you can take it to sort of a globally, which is what NWF has done, the National Wildlife Federation. They've actually left, um, Foursquare tips all around the world near nature areas. So if you're checking into a national park or a state forest or something like this, you're going to get a tip related to wildlife from uh, NWF. And again, this is a great way to reinforce mission, to engage with people on social media, 
and to provide real value, um, I think, um, in a non-monetary way to uh, people that are following you. Right. And so so uh, I, I can certainly see those uh, those opportunities when it comes to charities that sort of are space-oriented. But, but if you're not, it, it is fairly limited, wouldn't you say? Um, it can be if you um, – not space-oriented, but if you have a physical location that people will be checking into specifically, you can run a special, right, um, a mayor special or a newbie special. And these are coupons that pop up. Um, when you check into places. So the uh, Charleston Museum here actually ran one locally that gave away, or not gave away, but they did uh, discounted memberships. Um, and they sold more memberships in the month they were running this promotion than they normally do in a six-month period or something like that. So it was a really, um, really effective way for them to get new memberships and out into the stream. So, again, that's another example, but they do, you have to have a physical location, right? So, but a lot of museums and botanical gardens and symphonies and a lot of nonprofits have stores and, and physical places where people volunteer. So those opportunities are out there, um, again, to offer these specials to your, um, to your supporters. Okay, great. Well, because I'm, I'm always interested in, in you know, advice that can be offered on platforms that are not sort of the uh, the traditional platforms that, that you you expect to have as part of most strategies, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. You, you would expect that most uh, well thought through strategies are going to at least address those uh, those aspects. Um, so we we talked about uh, communicate, engage, and fundraise. Um, and and my concern is that a lot of charities sort of get stuck in the communicate phase and don't really know how to move beyond that. So can you provide some uh, advice and tips from your engage section of your book that really can give some concrete um, emphasis to moving beyond just simple communication and posting, uh, but now how do you start becoming social? Well, the first tip in the engage chapter is to create a welcome page. Uh, so that's or welcome tab on Facebook. So that's obviously one of the easiest ways to kind of put the best foot forward and welcome your supporters to start that conversation. Um, and honestly, just really listening, spending the time listening to see what your supporters are interested in and then um, kind of reflecting that back into your engagement strategy is important, um, whether that is asking them to share certain news or comments, um, providing them tools where they can take actions. For example, um, Tactic 47 is encouraging action with a Facebook custom tab, and Best Friends Animal Society has done a great job of uh, promoting their adoptable pets online. So that's an easy way to engage people and bring them back uh, onto their site to, to kind of learn more. Um, I love tweet-ups, too. I think that's a great way to use social media to engage people in a real environment. For instance, we're always talking about trying to get people um, online into the offline world, and a tweet-up is a great way to do that with social media. Just You sort of yeah, are rewarding your... Chad, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Describe what a tweet-up is first and then give us examples on how our listeners might use that strategy. Yeah, TweetUp is uh, basically just a meetup or organized by a social media, typically Twitter. So the idea is that you're, um, you're not promoting this in your normal materials, like not in your newsletter, not on your website. You're only promoting it, let's say, on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn or whatever your social networks may be. And the idea is that you say, like, hey, we're having a TweetUp at our museum or at our office or at this park. Um, on so-and-so date, and we'd love you all to come down there. We're going to give you a behind-the-scenes tour. We're going to have our executive director speak. We're going to give you guys some cool uh, you know, takeaways, uh, some cool gifts or something from, uh, 
from our nonprofit. And the idea is that you're getting people, whether it's six people or 60 people, out of the ether, people that were just engaging with you on Twitter, into, the, into your office, into your museum, into, you know, into your world, really, and actually making that face-to-face connection with them. And I think that's a great example of a way you can take that to the next level. We've seen tons of nonprofits do these successfully, whether you're a museum or a zoo. Um, zoos use them all the time. Um, and those are just great ways, again, to get your supporters in the building. And, and in a, with, with a tweet up, obviously part of that is understanding how Twitter works uh, and having people actually follow you or see your content. Um, give us some, uh, some good concrete examples on how charities can grow uh, their Twitter followers. Right, so yeah, there's a million strategies to use to grow your uh, Twitter followers. And so when you were speaking about that question specifically, it made me think of, um, of hashtags specifically. So let's say you're having a, a tweet up and you're having it in Boston. And you're like, well, my account only has 1,100 followers, which is good for us, but we'd love for more people to get involved. So what you can do is you can use hashtags. Um, you can use a local Boston hashtag. I'm sure there's more than one. Um, for Charleston here, it's uh, pound CHS. And using hashtags, uh, whether or not they're location-based or if they're issue-based, like if you have an environmental uh, nonprofit, you can tag on or you know, piggyback onto the climate change hashtag. So these are ways to get your message injected into a stream of followers that aren't already, um, you know, knowledgeable about you, right? So by I, I really think hashtag, that the hashtags is the secret to uh, to expanding your your audience. But what is a hashtag? Okay, yeah, hashtag is simply a uh, category or a way to um, collect stories on Twitter. So since there's no sort of, um, uh, you know, organization to Twitter, if you use a hashtag like climate change, you can then do a Twitter search on the hashtag climate change and, and see what people are saying about that issue, right? So it's just a way to collect a group of tweets with a little, uh, you know, uh, taxonomy, a little uh, alphanumeric uh, tag, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Uh, Chad and Melanie, we're going to take uh, just a, a quick uh, little station break here. When we come back, uh, I was wondering if you could um, share uh, more details about collaboration tools that can help you manage your Twitter account, and we'll be right back after the break. <laughs> Thank the fine folks at Bell Strike for being sponsor of today's show. Bell Strike is a new service that lets nonprofits set up attractive donation-enabled websites in about a minute or two. It's the easiest way to create and update a website without having to learn anything. Bell Strike websites include online fundraising, a blog, auto receipts, automatic social media integration, and a ton more. There are no sign-up costs or monthly charges. Bellstrike only charges a small fee for online donation, but even caps those fees so nonprofits are never overcharged. And right now, if you go to bellstrike.com, you can even enter the Bellstrike $5,000 grant contest uh, if you enter before March 31st. If your organization needs a website designed specifically for nonprofit organizations, check out bellstrike.com. That's B E L L. S-T-R-I-K-E dot com. Check out bellstrike.com. We also want to uh, take this opportunity to draw your attention to next week's show. Now, mark your calendars. The Nonprofit Coach Radio Show uh, is always Tuesdays at 12 noon Eastern, except for 
uh, next week. And the reason that we've changed the show for next week is, of course, this is leap year. Uh, next Wednesday is leap day, uh, and so we are going to take the opportunity to move the show uh, from Tuesday to Wednesday for the special leap year show where we're going to be sharing with you all the insights and information uh, about the big leap, uh, digital leap conference. So you can get the connection there, Leap Year for Digital Leap. Uh, and the, uh, the Leap Year show is going to talk about Digital Leap Conference that will be taking place in uh, Canada, in Toronto, uh, this year. So you want to check out digitalleap.org. Uh, you're going to learn all about it over in uh, the, uh, the show next week on, on Wednesday on uh, uh, Leap Day. Uh, and that Digital Leap uh, Conference is going to be taking place in Toronto on Thursday, May 3rd, uh, and that's going to be hosted by the Art Gallery of Ontario in Toronto. We'll have lots of details for you next week uh, during the special Leap Day show of the Nonprofit Coast. So mark your calendars. No show on Tuesday. We will be here on Wednesday, Leap Day, at 12 noon Eastern. Uh, and with that, we're going to head right back over to our Page 2 experts for today's show. Our page two experts today both come to us from Blackbaud. Melanie Mathos and Chad Norman have authored a terrific new book, 101 Social Media Tactics for Nonprofits. Uh, and uh, Chad and Melanie, when we uh, left for the break, uh, coming back, we were hoping that you'd uh, give us some concrete examples and details of how collaboration tools can be used to advance your Twitter strategy. Definitely. Well, the world has changed recently uh, in regards to these tools. A lot of them have been offering free services uh, and are heading more towards a, a paid model as most of these platforms are figuring out a way to monetize, um, which they got us hooked, and now they're trying to charge. Uh, but there are a few free platforms still available for free, or you can actually you know, build this into your budget and invest, as it is a very important um, base for your social media uh, outreach. So CoTweet, for instance, a couple of days ago went to a paid model. Um, that's an excellent service and uh, definitely worth checking out if you're evaluating these. Uh, but Hootsuite still offers a free platform that will allow you to have multiple contributors to your Twitter account and has support for other platforms. But we really just recommend um, Twitter, posting to Twitter from this tool because Facebook often um, does not value the third-party postings and will actually not give them prominence in the feed. Um, so for Twitter, Hootsuite's a great tool. Um, it allows multiple people to contribute as well as schedule tweets. Um, it's great for nonprofits to have maybe different people that occasionally will post, um, and it gets everyone on the same page as far as monitoring, too, and analytics. And probably even more important than the tool is the process behind it. So really getting a, a well-thought-out process and strategy, revisiting it often, and really getting your social media team on the same page because you want to present to the public as, a, as one voice, as the voice of the brand. Uh, and it's, it's tricky sometimes when everyone's doing this as part of their job. So 
if you have a clearly defined process and procedures for how you respond, what your brand voice is, et cetera, um, it really goes a long way. And then also checking in um, periodically and talking about issues. Um, here at Blackboard, we have a, a weekly just social half hour where we, we talk about, you know, things that we'd like to improve, ideas, um, how things are going, and what in the world has changed because everything changes <laughs> so often. Mm -hmm. And Melody, you alluded, you alluded to that process too. And I, I think having something like a social media calendar is a really great way to collaborate. And you can use a tool like Google Docs to do that, which is a free tool that, you know, multiple people can um, contribute on um, together. And it's great to have a calendar, like you said, for content, sort of your, your social content strategy. You can let, sort of lay out by days a week, like we need to talk about this on Mondays, this on Tuesdays, topic Z on Wednesdays, and sort of do that way you know every week kind of what to expect and you kind of don't have to think about it from ground, uh, ground zero um, every, every time you need to post something. So um, that's another great tool to use as well. Yeah, and that's a well, great way to start. I was really pleased to see that you, that you were mentioning and highlighting Hootsuite.com. We've mentioned that several times on this show, and I always point out to folks that uh, I know Hootsuite is, uh, is a good platform to use because uh, the folks, uh, some of the smartest folks uh, on the Internet that I, I consider worth following are the, the folks over at Mashable.com, uh, and they, uh, they announced that they use Hootsuite to manage uh, their uh, Twitter accounts, and uh, so I know it's a good thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a good, good org to follow, um, and that's a good point. You know, we look to commercial enterprises as um, sources of inspiration, and nonprofits should do that too, but um, some of the best ways to learn are just looking to your peer organizations and, you know, people in the same field and sector as you to see what kind of things they're doing. You can learn a lot. One of the uh, things that I, I speak about often um, are what I call your Aunt Mabels, and what I mean by Aunt Mabels are your mass influencers connecting to those who have a voice in social uh, social media, and I've, I've named those your Aunt Mabels. You talk about connecting with your, your top tweeters, your, your, your top social media folks. Walk us through how, how do you identify who those key mass influencers are, or as I, I call them, your Aunt Mabels, and, and why is that an important strategy? Well, there's, there are a ton of tools that will help you um, identify your influencers. You'll probably know a lot of them just based on activity. Um, you can look at analytics on the back end when, when people tweet about certain things. Did you see spikes, et cetera? Um, but there's also, like I said, the tools like uh, Vocus and Radiant 6 and a bunch of other platforms and Blast that will let you kind of identify who has the farthest reach, um, who's the most influential, because it's not all about numbers, really. Um, but a great way to really engage with these influencers is on on-topic conversations. So say one of your board members is very influential on, um, obviously they would be if they're on your board, um, and you might want to just give them a little nudge and say, hey, do you mind sharing this uh, with your network? because that's the whole reason that they're involved with your organization, right? Um, same thing with fundraising. You want to pay a little more attention to those major donors, and you can transition that to the social media world and just um, look at who's tweeting the most about you and who's having the most impact and treat them accordingly, and then also give them kind of a heads up when you want them to share pertinent news. And, and getting that, it's, it's all about inspiring that action, isn't it, to, to give them content that they're likely to share with others. 
Exactly. If you don't have the good content, you're you're not going to get anywhere. So uh, really focusing in on making sure you're sharing content that improves the lives of your supporters. Um, it's funny. It's interesting. It's emotional. It's useful. Um, you just want to really focus on creating that content and everything else kind of falls into place. Yeah, that's shareable content, right? You want to make sure that the people are seeing a tweet or a Facebook update that they want to tell their friends about, right? And that's where the true power of social comes into play. It's not just that I'm putting a piece of content out that someone will see, but I'm putting out a piece of content that someone's going to see and want to share with everyone they know. And, and that's I really want to talk. Uh, we're just going to uh, uh, provide a, a little bit of, uh, of a reminder here for our listeners. And when we come back, um, I, I do want to talk specifically about that resharing, that retweetable content. What, what should folks be looking for, and what should they avoid um, if uh, if they want to be taken seriously uh, in social media? Uh, and we'll be right back. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And we're uh, back here with Melanie and Chad uh, from Blackbaud and their terrific new book, 101 Social Media Tactics uh, for Nonprofits. So, so how do you create content and what should you avoid in, uh, uh, if you're going to be taken seriously in social media? Let's start with the what to avoid because <laughs> that's the easy part, right? Um, you don't want to be a brochure. You don't want to be overly um, serious marketing <laughs> You want to have a more casual tone. Um, you tell a story differently to your boss, for instance, than your neighbor that you see on the weekend. Um, that's kind of a good way to gauge the tone that you would want to share. Um, well, I don't necessarily know about avoiding, but uh, you definitely, as far as getting the content, um, you need to, you know, whether that's starting with a blog, you know, that's a great place to have content to link out to. Um, but you're going to need to find someone to write the blog, right? So we often tell people that when they're coaching about content to not, to not force it upon someone, right, to not make it someone's job. Like try to find someone that, they, that wants to do that, right? And um, that's when you're going to find really good social content that comes from the heart. You know, that may be your, um, you know, your major gifts officer. It may be an intern. You, know, you don't know who it's going to be. Who's going to be able to, like, conjure up that voice that's going to resonate with your supporters, and um, so I think voice is a big part of the content. Like Melanie said, don't make it be about yourself. Make sure you're talking you know, um, to people and asking them about them, asking them questions, um, talking about their concerns. Um, and I think that can go a long way for making something shareable. And even doing so, focus so it, groups it, it's to making find it out. Personal. It's, it's not just saying it's all about you, but putting it in context of what people are looking for. Exactly. In one of Gary V's strategies, for example, he responds to almost every tweet uh, that's directed at him. It's Gary Vaynerchuk, the, the author of Crush It and several other books. Uh, but just that personal attention, people want that interaction with your organization. They're used to it now with brands, with big brands. Uh, they want that from you, too. They want that individual attention and the quick response and all those things can be really built into a process uh, manual for your social media team. Yeah, when you ask someone to, um, when you're personal with them, the next time you actually have an appeal that's asking them to please retweet something or please share with your audience, they're going to be just infinitely more um, ready to do that. 
if they've already had a one-on-one -on -one, uh, kind of conversation with you through social media. Because yeah, they, they feel like yeah. they're they're on the inside. Um, it, Melanie and Chad, we do have an email question from uh, Julie in Tampa, uh, and she's just asking, what about Google Plus? Oh yeah, so Google Plus is actually um, a tactic we're writing about right now. We're sort of going to be extending the book on, book on our website, um, 101SNT.com, um, as an ability to kind of handle some of these newer things like Pinterest and Google Plus specifically. So one of the things that um, we're going to write about is actually about getting your Google Plus page branded, but also as a way you can use it um, through Hangouts. The, the Hangout tool is really cool. It's a, it's a way to have an impromptu um, visual video-based chat with people um, on Google+. So the idea that you can actually have a, a, a hangout with maybe a volunteer coordinator or your executive director, kind of think about like a fireside chats. And this is a really cool way of uh, getting your staff out in front of your supporters um, as in association with your brand, right? So I think Google Plus is definitely um, going to be an interesting platform to watch over the next um, 18 to 24 months and see how it grows and see how they roll out, you know, uh, brand pages for and how nonprofits are really using them. And um, it's going to be good. So I think we need to start thinking about how to use Google Plus and its unique pieces. And I think part of that is Hangouts. Yeah, I think I think that they're, they're, the jury's a bit bit out, but the, the sort of the whole world of of Google, which uh, does include uh, YouTube, uh, is uh, is extremely important for nonprofits. But let's let's talk in the time that we have left here specifically about strategy and prioritizing. There's so many things that are out there. I mean, we. Just you know, today we've added to you know the general discussion things like Pinterest and and uh, and Google Plus. But when you're looking at all of this and you're sort of new to all of this, um, can you break down where you feel that you can you can start? I, I shared my six pillars for success, but what advice do you have, or does the book have, uh, to help make sense of this? I mean, where Foursquare and all of these different sites is it just sort of flavor of the week, um, or is there a hierarchy to the strategy? Well, when you're coming up with a strategy, um, there's a lot of ways to do this. We actually cite um, Josh Burnoff and Charlene Lee's um, post method in the book. Um, it's from their book called Groundswell, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with, Ted. And uh, yeah. it's a few years old, but it's still a very valid book when you're talking about social media strategies. So they look at, they call it the post method, whether you're looking at, you're looking at people, outcomes, um, strategies and um, then eventually tools, which is sort of the tactics that we talk about. So I think again, it's a good good place to step back and to look at your people. Like again, I talked about creating personas, identifying who your audience is, what motivates them, what social networks are they using. Then you sort of look at uh, you know um, outcomes and stuff like strategic goals, like what you're trying to to do, and the strategy, like what it's going to look like on the other side. What do you hope to change? How do you hope things are going to look, be different at your organization afterwards? And once I think you look at those three aspects of and, and come to a really strong conclusion, you'll be able to then I think the tools and the tactics will be really um, obvious to you, right? So like we kind of call it like jokingly the system of our book, right? And one of the things you can do is you can look at one of your strategic outcomes. Like I need to engage more heavily with local supporters. And then you can go through the book and, and identify 10 to 15 tactics that will help you meet that strategic goal. So that's sort of one of the ways I think you can take a strategy and then move it into the tools arena. And in and, and, and doing that, you're, you're really creating that engagement and that communication uh, to build community. At what point does it become valuable to fundraising? Um, that's tough. I think it's, you know, everybody's looking for that ROI on social media. So 
whether that's a return on engagement or return on interaction, or it actually is a you know return on investment with fundraising. Um, I think as long as you're setting up goals and measuring them, um, it'll make sense for your organization. And really, it's it's a it's really going to come into play with fundraising um, your entire program as a piece of your marketing outreach. To look at social media in a vacuum is not the way to approach it. Um, so if you're looking for direct results, like say I, I want to run a Twitter fundraising campaign, that's one way to look at it. But the true value is how is social media augmenting all of our efforts and all of our fundraising efforts um, by being kind of a cog in that marketing wheel uh, and really fitting into that integrated multi-channel strategy that we all know produces much um, much more successful fundraising campaigns. And and how 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 do you measure all of that? What are some of the things that that you can point to that say I'm moving in the right direction? One of the best ways is just referring sites. Um, take a look at the back end of your website, uh, whether you use Google Analytics or something else under traffic sources, you can see. And I guarantee you, you're going to have some social networks in your top ten if not the majority of social networks represented there. And some you might not even often think about. For instance, StumbleUpon shows up in that list a lot. If you're a retail outlet, Pinterest is going to start showing up uh, much more often if you have a retail uh, store, for example. So that's an excellent way to measure. And Chad is our measurement guru, so I'll let him share a couple of his tips. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, Melanie covered some of the big ones, but I think uh, – also looking at uh, using tools to make sure you're, you're tracking link performance, like using a URL shortener like Bitly with a logged in account so you can get aggregate data on how many people are clicking on your link so you can measure that over time. And also I think you know calculating your own Twitter influence and the reach of your tweets using tools like TweetReach and, uh, or things like Clout where you can actually get a good empirical number. And while that's not that great by itself, but if you track them over time, you can make sure you're going in the right direction. And finally, using like a dashboard, right? You can even set up a free one using iGoogle where you're pulling in RSS feeds from Twitter searches, from Dig, from uh, LinkedIn and things like that, where you can actually get a real-time rolling look at how much uh, chatter and how much activity about your organization is happening. And again, that's a great way to know if you're, you're moving in the right direction, if you're seeing that volume increase, if you're seeing positive mentions increase and things like that. Well, and, and that that really is uh, an important um, aspect of, of of measurement, isn't it? I I often you know, mention TweetReach. I'm I'm a big fan of of Clout. Um, and it just it, not in terms of what your number is, but tracking it over time and is it moving in the right direction? Definitely, that's that's the key. It's forward momentum, uh, and each year N10. Uh, in collaboration with BlackBot and Common Knowledge, we produce a social media benchmarking survey. So that's another way to kind of look and see how your peers are doing. Uh, we'll, we will be releasing that at NTC in April. So say that again. So this is a, a new uh, evaluation tool that, you've, that you're creating? Actually, I think it's been around about three years or so, uh, but we update it every year in April. It's the okay. Nonprofit Social Network Benchmark Report. And it's a great way to kind of see how organizations are performing in all these different platforms and what so, the general oh, I understand. So so it's it's an opportunity to see how you benchmark against peers. Exactly. And I think the link is nonprofitsocialnetworksurvey.com. Okay. 
Okay, and that's, and that's, and that's really updated by Black annually? It's a collaborative effort, but definitely it's updated every April. And that's just one way to, to kind of benchmark where you're at. I think benchmarking against your own organization is helpful, but this breaks it down a little further so you can see how you're doing against organizations in your sector. And it's really about um, tracking over time, right, as opposed to just an instance of time to, to determine, you know, what kind of success are you having. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when you talk about um, wrapping up your, your book, you talk about um, get a strategy. You mentioned again um, the, uh, the Groundswell book and the uh, way of organizing called POST, which is people – objectives, strategy, and technology. Um, I, I find that particular approach very interesting because it puts people first and technology last. Um, is, that, is there some significance to that? Well, there's a lot of people we see, and the reason we like to point to this one is exactly what you said. It starts with people. We see a lot of, uh, hear a lot of nonprofits that, especially when we're speaking, someone will be in a session saying, like, I was asked to, to start a Twitter and Facebook account, and they don't really know why. Um, and it's sort of like they just know that they need to add the Twitter, right? And so the idea that they can start with people and start with these outcomes and these strategic goals makes a lot of sense because then they can actually determine, well, maybe I didn't need to actually uh, focus on Twitter and I should just stay with Pinterest and LinkedIn. So I think it's a worthy exercise and it actually you know, yields pretty good results. So how much time should the average nonprofit executive be putting towards this? I, I, I always um, speak in terms of this being um, a long-term strategy, but one that you can't put off because you can't instantly be social. You're, you're either social or you're not. You're either learning those skills or you're not. So how much time do you put towards this? It might not make sense for a lot of organizations to straight off the bat hire a full-time person, especially – uh, relative to their overall organizational size. So I think it's really relative, but the key is to look at your performance. That measurement chapter is the last, but it's probably the most important because if you're not measuring it, then you're just kind of spinning your wheels. You don't know what's working, um, and you can't base any further investment on something unless you have that. And from, that, data. And from an executive perspective, I think it's a good, good idea to start listening, right? Um, uh, obviously, not every executive is going to want to be tweeting and updating the Facebook page on, on behalf of the organization, but just even five minutes a day, ten minutes a day to um, look at a dashboard and to see what people are saying about you on Twitter and on Facebook can uh, really help an executive a lot in terms of understanding how their uh, supporters are viewing the organization. I, I think that is so it's always amazing how uh, fast uh, our time goes uh, with a show like this. Uh, can uh, Melanie and Chad please uh, share with our listeners how they can reach you? Well, you, you can reach uh, us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at, at Chad Norman, and Melanie is at, at, at Mel Matho. That's M-E-L-M-A-T-H-O. But uh, you can get to all that information by visiting uh, 101SNT.com, and where you can learn more about the book and get the book and interact with us and uh, learn some new tactics as we start publishing over the next couple of weeks. Yep, and we'll be debuting uh, 102 on the Frog Loop blog tomorrow, and it happens to be Pinterest, the media darling. <laughs> so uh, uh, if you want to check see, out. We, we've fun. always got the cutting-edge information here. So, uh, one, so uh, 101SMT, which stands for Social Media Tactics, uh, .com is uh, a site for everyone uh, to check out. Uh, and if they pay attention, they're going to get your insight into Pinterest uh, tomorrow. Is that right? 
Actually, tomorrow it's going to be on the Frog Loop blog, but we'll be posting it on our site as well. And we also have a, a sample chapter great. available. Uh, Melanie Mathos and Chad Norman, authors of 101 Social Media Tactics for Nonprofits, thank you for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. For all of our listeners, uh, please remember that the show next week will be on Wednesday, Leap Day. We'll be right back here on the Nonprofit Coach. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach.